0: Welcome to Cornerstone, a podcast by Rebuild Fellowship. On today's episode, Pastor Chuck will finish up his message, which is titled, My Refuge, My Fortress, My God. This message was from our Summer in the Psalms series, and the text for this message can be found in Psalm 91. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 91 right now, as we join in with Pastor Chuck.
1: What consumes our thoughts on a daily basis? Is it God in his kingdom, or me in my kingdom? What consumes our finances on a daily basis? Is it God in his kingdom or me in my kingdom? What consumes our relationships on a daily basis? Is it God in his kingdom or me in my kingdom? And all you have to do, we have a core value here. We have a kingdom DNA uh, gene that says this. Bible, we submit to its authority. We read the Bible and the Bible reads us. And so, I have to go to him to know what to do with them. And it starts with me first. And so, I pose these questions not as a rebuke, but as a means to reflect and an opportunity to be realigned if needed. And for some, maybe to invite you into this understanding for the first time. So here's the question. Big overarching question I'm going to throw out to you today. Do we live our lives as if God and his kingdom is our priority or is it our accessory? Undergarments are a priority of our attire, our daily dress should be. (laughs) Earrings, watches, rings are accessories. They're not a priority. I'm wondering, are we looking spiritually the other way? Are we accessorizing ourselves in the spirit more than we're actually dressing with the armor of righteousness, with the armor of God as he has called us to wear. Is God in his kingdom a priority for us or has it become an accessory to us? Dr. Piper says it like this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. The world is very appealing, and it wants all of us to be satisfied in all of it. But God is saying, no, 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 no. I ain't died for that foolishness. I died so you would be fully satisfied in and through me. So what has God said on the subject matter? Three sub points. Number one, it's not his person. James, very quickly, James chapter 1 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. God, why are you doing this to me? That ain't God. The enemy wants to partner in with your flesh and draw you away. Watch this, verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived. Can you hear the Spirit of the Lord coaching us and calling us to this understanding in this moment? Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own. Will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures? In other words, God's saying, Listen, if you think something is tempting you or trying to entice you away from me, it ain't me. It ain't me. Here's the second thing I want to see sub point number, uh, letter B it's our prayer. Listen, what Luke 22, verse 40 says, And when he came to this place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. When he taught us how to pray, when he gave us the model prayer, he said this in Matthew 6, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from what? Evil. Most translations, the original language says, deliver us from the evil one. So not only is it not his person, but it's supposed to be our prayer. When I was studying this, Mr. Howe, the Lord posed the question to me How often do you start your day praying this prayer, praying this specific prayer point? Lord, lead me not into temptation. And we'd we'll be honest, I don't know if we pray that every day. We might pray it once a month if we're good. It's not a prayer we typically think about. We're praying for our family members, we're praying for our health, praying for our finances, praying for our children praying for stuff on our job, you know, we're praying for things that's happening in our world, in the city, all of those are good things. But how about starting right with us first and saying, Lord, if I'm going to live this life out to be light and salt and earth, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Because temptation comes as soon as you say, Ugh. what's the first temptation? Snooze. Soon as you say, oh, eh, 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 snooze, my phone will give you nine minutes, not ten no more. It give you nine. <laughs> and then what you do again? Second temptation, snooze again. You already had two temptations before you even got out the bed. Am I lying? I ain't making this up, Whitney. I ain't doing it. I ain't gonna do it. Watch this. So here's the next thing. Let us see. He makes provision. It's not his person. It's the way we should be praying. It's a specific prayer point, but God also makes provision. 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Listen, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Can I dispel a myth right here? This is where we have gotten the worldly wisdom that the Lord won't put nothing more on you than you can bear. That's a lie. This is the scripture by which we got that historical persistence of language, that God won't put nothing more on you than you can bear. No, 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 no. God said he won't let you be tempted above your ability Because he already knows he's endured every temptation. Why would you do the work that he's already done? To prove how good and great he is, he says, when it comes, I got you. All you got to do is abide in me and tell me about it, and I got you. All you got to do is do like me and say, no, 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 no. It is written. No, 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 no. And watch this, when life gets heavy, what does God say? Cast your, come unto me all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give your souls right. So when you get those burdens, a lot of times the heaviness or the burdens that we take most often are self inflicted. We're doing too much. Oh, what needless pains we bear, all because we do not bring everything we bring some things but we keep some things and what does that do it's like compound interest on the heart compound interest on the mind we don't bring him everything we bring him some things we don't bring him everything but God says I want all your burdens all your anxieties all your cares i take it all all right here we go now here's what I want you to understand from all that no substitute for the grace of God. You can call your friends, you can phone a friend, you can get more money, you can get the promotion, you can do more exercise, you can do whatever the case may be. All of those things are good. They ain't God though. There's no substitute for the grace of God. Now, what has God done about this matter? Here we go. He provided shelter, Psalm 91. He's provided shelter and he's provided saying power. So watch this, he provided his shelter and his shadow. God the Father provided God the Son so that through his person and finished work, we would be offered the gift of salvation. God the Son would then send the Holy Spirit so now we can live through his sanctification. So he gave us his shelter, he who abides in the shadow I think that's right. Shelter. Then you go into the shadow. Right. That's what it is. Shelter. Then shadow. There it is. So why? He's given us his shelter and his shadow. He's given you a place of safety and covering. You good, right? So watch this. He says, one uh, expositor says it this way. He says, temptation then provides you with an opportunity to validate this truth. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Every time you face a temptation, that's an opportunity to prove to the enemy again that the greater one lives within me. And you lose and you a liar and I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Now, he gave you his shelter in the shadow, but he also gives you the ability to say something about this. He gives you say power. And so I told you, there's three proclamations for the three temptations. I'm going to give you those three real quick. Now, watch this. Let me get this up. Now, I got grandchildren, got grandsons now, and so I'm back in the cartoon world, right? And I don't know, about a year or so ago... couple years ago, somewhere in there, uh, I got introduced to the Lion Guard. And for those of you that are familiar with the Lion King and this part of Disney's uh, conglomerate, uh, you got the grandchild of Mufasa. So you got Mufasa, father, Simba the son, and now you got the grandson, Kion. And so Kion's in a situation. Kion in a battle. They're trying to take over the pride lands. And they're trying to take over the pride lands, which means you got an enemy that's coming to attack. And so in that, there's two things that Mufasa, the spirit of Mufasa is speaking, right? Because you know how they do that type of stuff. So the spirit, right, is speaking, right, to Kion, and he's saying, look, I don't want you to operate in anger, and I don't want you to operate in fear. I need you to use self-control And use the power that is with inside of you. The power that has been told, according to Disney, is rooted from the tree of life. And so you have the elders, or as Hebrews tells us, we have this great cloud of witnesses that is encouraging us to run this race with endurance. This power is being taught by the elders, but it flows from the tree of life. And then it says, you gotta use your roar. And when you use your roar, nothing can stand against. Am I lying, Mr. Disney? I'm not lying. So watch this. So what, what Kaya does, and this is what my grandson does, so Brit, I'm, I'm demonstrating my grandson. This is what he used to do. Now I was wondering where he would get it from, and the song would come on, power of the roar, and he would do this, roar. Right. And anybody know my grandson? Y'all know he is extremely dramatic, and so he comes and he does, and said, "Power of the roar," and he would go, "Right." So what ends up happening is, but in that moment, I was learning something, because Bible says a child will lead the way. I was learning when in the face of my enemy, what do I normally do? I don't. Rrr. What I do is. Oh my God, why me, why now, why, what's going on, oh my God. (laughs) Bible says the enemy comes like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But according to Disney, through Kion, I learned that if I use my roar, nothing can stand the grits. So the songwriter said if I raise my hallelujah louder than the unbelief, if I raise my hallelujah, heaven comes to fight. Oh, my God, I wish you could hear me by the Spirit. If I wrap my... We got to start proclaiming our victory. And the enemy has to flee. Every time Jesus said, it is written, the enemy took a step back. I wonder what it would look like not only when we do this individually, Jenny Royer. what would it look like, Simone Griffin, when we do this as a church body together. As Romans 15 says, with one voice, they were glorifying God together. Yes. <laughs> Here we go, three proclamations. The temptation number one, lust of the flesh. Here's your proclamation. I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge. That temptation comes, lust of the flesh, desire of the flesh. You immediately say, "Mm, you are my refuge. What is refuge? It means you're my place of hope. You're my place of trust. You're my place of safety. You separate me from the enemy. Anybody ever been chased by a dog before? Okay, some of y'all ain't lived in the hood or in the country. Y'all lived in the suburbs. I get it. Yeah, suburbs, y'all more tamed. Every dog got to be on the leash. But I have lived in the hood and I have lived in the country. And you ain't always got a dog on the leash. And so what ends up happening is that dog get to chasing, and you be minding your old business. And then all of a sudden come around the car and that joke will be running. And you drop everything you got and you start booking and before you know it, the next thing you know, all you're trying to do is get to your porch, get into the house. As soon as you get in, you close the door, you're like, oh God, refuge. It's just like that. When the enemy is advancing and attacking you like that, you got to have that type of pursuit. I got to get to God because he's my place of refuge. And in that place, I'm separated from the enemy, he has no access. Mm-hmm. Here's your second thing, right? Is this good? Is this helpful? I I didn't mean to go over. I promise I did. Watch this. Here's the temptation number two, lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes. In this, you proclaim, you literally open up your mouth and say, you are my fortress. You're my place of defense. You're my place of safety. I mean, you're my place of strength. You're my place of security. That's like if you're on foreign soil and you get to the U.S. Embassy. If I'm on foreign soil, it's different from being in my own neighborhood and getting chased by a dog, right, and getting to my house, which is a place of safety, it's a place of refuge. But if I'm on foreign land, oh, there's nothing like getting to the U.S. Embassy. Because not only do I feel safe, not only am I secure, but i just tapped into some strength. Because there's some armed guards that are with me there. I got some rights and privileges that have been afforded to me. So in like manner, when that lust of the eyes come, because it's building up, the lust of the eyes come, I got to say, Lord, you are my fortress. Not only do I have separation from the enemy, I got strength over the enemy. Here's your third thing. Third thing, right here. Third thing. Pride of life. That arrogance, that heartiness... You say to the Lord, you're my God. This is your place of surrender to the Lord. Your place of allegiance to the Lord. Your place of submission to the Lord. And this is your place where you say, God, if you don't do it, it won't get done. Who is on the Lord's side? God, if you don't do it. God, if you don't show up. I can't trust in another. I can't think about another. So many people doubt him. I can't live without him. That's why I love him so, because Jesus is real to me. It's one of those type postures when you start to sing, and you're like, God, I ain't got nowhere else to turn. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Where else am I going to go? Knowledge of God's word is a bulwark against deception, temptation, accusation, and even persecution. He proved that he can help you in temptation. Hebrews 4 says he endured every temptation yet without sin. So now that allows us to bold, come, come boldly to his throne of grace. He gave us those proclamations. He proved that he's now our high priest, willing to intercede and step in on your behalf at any given moment, point in time that you need it. And the last thing is, he promised. He promised never leave you or forsake you. Let that just marinate minister to you. He'll never leave or forsake you. Now I'm going to close on this. What, we, what should we do in this matter? Three things, real quick. Accept the grace of God. Uh, when I was in school, financial aid, um, they gave me an option, right? Back then when you had the uh, the, the printer paper, you know, with the carbon copy underneath, you had to check If you wanted to accept it and you had to mail it back in or turn it in to the financial aid office. But the new way now is you go online and you just check the box. What aid you want. Right? So accepting God's grace for the believer, the monies are already accredited to your account. It's waiting on you to accept But most of us won't accept God's grace because you still think you are strong enough, you smart enough, you tough enough, you got enough, but you ain't enough. So God is saying, my strength is available for you in your weakness and will be made perfect, but you got to click the accept button. It's right there waiting for, to be deposited immediately into your account. But you gotta accept it. Right? Second thing is, abide in it. Abide in God. You gotta accept it, you gotta abide in it. You gotta chill. Just like we all gonna do, cause ain't nothing like an uh, 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 after church nap. Ain't nothing like it. When you curl that blanket over, you get up, whether it's on the couch, whether it's uh, uh, at somebody's house you ate and you don't fell asleep in that little corner of their couch, or you did it in your own bed. Ain't nothing like that after church now. What are you doing? You're abiding in that moment in the rest of God, the peace of God, the hope of God, the food that God just gave you. You're abiding in all that goodness. And so in like manner, God's grace wants us to do the same thing. Just rest in it. Just rest in it. Because what God's saying in that moment I done told you before I got you. Now, here's the last thing. Ask for it daily and situationally. Ask for God's grace daily and situationally. In John chapter 15, he starts off talking about abiding, right? Abide in me and I in you. I'm like the vine, you're the branches, all the good stuff, right? Then he says in verse 7, it's one of our sweet verses, he says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done. So we need to ask for God's grace to deal with temptations daily and situationally. Because you can start off asking for it in the morning, and by 10.38, a situation happens. And you need to ask for God's grace in that moment to aid you for that moment.
0: And that's where we'll stop and pause for today. Thank you for taking your time with us today. If you would like to learn more about our church or have us pray for you in any way, you can find us at www.rebuildchurch.com. That is www.rebuildchurch.com. Our church meets in Durham, North Carolina, and if you're looking for a church to attend, we'd love to have you join us. We meet weekly at 10 a.m. on Sunday, and you can find more details about what to expect and where we are on our website. You can also find our full services on our YouTube channel. Please join us for our next episode as Pastor KJ delivers another message from our Bear Witness series.